Welcome to Mended Teacups. Molly and I are here ready with our cups of tea, waiting to tell you some things about our home education experiences. Today is one of our occasional episodes about who was. And this episode is looking at who was John Holt. Uh, so Molly, perhaps you can tell us when did you come across John Holt? I came across John Holt at the very, very beginning of our home ed journey. And in fact, I did remarkable little reading when we started when we started home ed. And I'm always mega impressed with all the reading that so many parents do nowadays. <laughs> but one book I did have, which I think was lent to me by a friend, was one of John Holt's books. He wrote several. And I think that that very much influenced my thinking. I think it changed, challenged my thinking of what, what learning was all about. And I think it, and it was absolutely a real springboard for how we very much developed our, our own unique way of home ed. OK, so John Holt was born in April in 1923. Um, so we've just gone past his birthday, actually. Happy birthday. But he died in his early 60s in 1985. Um, that book that you've you were reading, I think you said was How Children Learn, um, which was his follow up book to the first one he wrote, which was How Children Fail, which followed six years at, um, of being a teacher in a primary school um, in the States. And he started to get a bit disillusioned by how children would come wanting to learn and the way that they were told to teach was sort of quashing some of those natural tendencies. So, yes, yeah, so the first book was How They Fail. And then again, he wrote How, how Children Learn, which was sort of the positive side and what, what could be done instead. And as far as I can see, he kind of started that kind of ball rolling, in the, particularly in the States. And the, the homeschooling movement there kind of really took off in, in a bigger way from those kind of those two books. Later on, he wrote um, a book particularly for homeschoolers called Teach Your Own, which I think is another one that you've read. How did, how did you find that one then? Yeah, that, that was um, really interesting as well. He started up a magazine. I think he sort of got very fired up to sort of reform the, the school system in the States. I think probably in about the 60s, but like the reform never really happened. So he then kind of went more down the homeschooling um, route and advocating. They called it homeschooling. And he started a magazine called, it had three initials, or schooling without education learning without school was it lws learning without school something like that growing um, without school i think growing growing that's right <laughs> growing thank you G- gws <laughs> maybe, <laughs> i was gonna say maybe think of gwi you know great western railway <laughs> <laughs> growing without schooling so and it was like a newsletter so that parents it was obviously way before the internet so parents would write in with letters and then he'd publish different um their magazine um every so often um so so so, so it was lovely actually the teacher own is 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 a lot of those letters a lot of extracts from those letters as well as you know more of his thoughts about teaching your own children so that's a useful one as well that I read mm. from what I've seen of what he's written he was very observant of how children behaved and kind of their natural desire to find things out and how they naturally wanted to develop their their own knowledge and he was very much in favour of allowing children to be much more involved in their own learning and following the way that children are naturally curious and naturally want to find out more about the world that they're in. Yeah that that definitely was really key for me actually I sort of definitely run the foundations that I really took on board that children are naturally curious and that if you observe he was I think again in, in his time people were trying to sort of go into kind of neuroscience, neuropsychology and, and 
work out what children did by you know wiring things to their heads and, you know, <laughs> and videoing them and all the rest of it which I think is fairly unethical apart from anything else but also you know he said children are not going to react in a normal way in a very stressful environment you know it's far better to just observe children which is what he did and it it was at a time when people didn't really take an awful lot of notice of young children, sort of preschool, but but he and sort of others started to just observe, you know, nieces, nephews, next door neighbours kind of thing, and just watch kids, how they play and how curious they are. And one of his themes, which was very much one of our base, bases for our home ed, was that children, when they're little, when they're toddlers, they're really curious about the world. They want to learn. They're into everything, aren't they? Mm. Um, And so why is it that by the time maybe they get to the end of primary school, that they're just not bothered to learn anymore or they get to GCSEs and, oh, I really don't want to do this. Mm. But surely if children are learning in the way that they're wired to learn, they're learning because they're curious and they're wanting to find out things that they want to know because they're wanting to make sense of the world themselves and so if they're going to learn about something um uh because they need to know to make sense of the world around them then they will learn quickly and they'll learn permanently whereas if we just put a load of facts into <laughs> into them yeah. you know and it's not actually what they're wanting to learn they might well reiterate it and learn it but actually it's not whereas and you can see that you know with if our children are really interested in something you know like my daughter's keeps collecting snails so if we actually go and look in a in a a snail book and she's really fascinated by all the little wiggly circles and spirals and all the rest of it or you know the way that the the kids will learn um, about trains if they're really into trains or or into the romans or you know whatever it is that they really want to know because they want to know they will find out because they're enthusiastic and yeah, that that very, very that very much struck a note with me. We want to continue that natural curiosity they have when they're a toddler, and not squash it out of them. We want to enlarge it for them, enlarge the world for them to be able to explore, rather than to kind of squeeze it out of them and to make it really dull and boring. Yeah, that's right. And he he kind of coined the term about homeschooling which is not really what we call it in this country for various sort of legally type reasons. So uh, Americans will call it homeschooling, but we tend to call it home education because of the way the wording of the law is that children have compulsory education, not compulsory school. But he also brought in this idea a bit later on of unschooling, which means different, slightly different things to different people, as far as I can tell. I know some people are very, very, very keen to be unschooled, and, and, but some people mean feel that means kind of no input, or not no input from the adult, from the adults, but very, very little input. Um, and some people have an unschooling approach, which has more input from adults. I think maybe unschooling might be a, a whole topic, but how do you feel? What, what does unschooling mean to you? Is that something that you've come across? Yes. And again, it's just absolutely wide range. And we would love to hear from any of you who would class yourself as unschoolers. No, please do write, uh, write something on our Instagram or on our Facebook, you know, because it's a community and we we love to learn from you as well. (laughs) Because we've incorporated so many of these different philosophies. I could probably say when we do every everyone we say oh yes well we do that <laughs> because we sort of yeah. made up our own our own blend. I I think certainly during the early years, um, which by which I mean, I think depending on the child actually, but certainly with our second, our third, and our fourth, you know, they really did an awful lot of free play right up until 
I don't know, six, seven, just all the, you know, a lot of the time. So I think I do, as you, as we know, I, I do certainly have, I absolutely have structure and I, and I do now, you know, teach them. We have, we decide what we want to learn and we do follow various different things. Um, but certainly for the early years and also the lot of time when we're not doing, in a sense, my, <laughs> my curriculum, what I've decided mm. we're going to learn, which is something, you know, he says, he says, actually, who, who then decides if you have a curriculum, who should decide that curriculum because somebody will think one thing's important someone else will think something else is important but actually surely the child is the best person well I guess I because I'm quite enthusiastic about learning I, I, I like to be able to teach some of the things so maybe it's <laughs> not going to be that useful for them in the future but I'm enjoying learning I'm enjoying learning with them and, and, te- and learn teaching them we do have our, our afternoons are always completely free and so I mean, sometimes we'll go out and we'll go for a walk, but they'll, they'll often, like my daughter is playing with snails at the moment, they'll, they'll read, they'll do craft. You know, they'll, they've, I think as long as you have lots of resources around um, and we have a no screen, you know, and no screens allowed, then actually they will just learn. And I often find that in the holidays, actually, when I'm, when I'm not, you know, quote unquote, you can't see my, do my fingers, I'm teaching them that. I think they learn a lot, actually, yeah. um, because they, they just do their own thing, don't they? And they find out they're curious. And then when they when they do something, they find something out. They then get a good feeling because they've made sense of something. And so then it motivates them to do a bit more. Yes. I wouldn't say I'm an I wouldn't say I'm an unschooler at all, but I, I can certainly see um, the benefits of it. Yes. And I think unschooling families, they like to, you know, like to put things in front of their children, invite them to discover more, give them the opportunities to find out more. Sometimes it's a bit tricky, isn't it? Because children may tend to say no. (laughs) And you have to say, well, try it, try it before you say no. And then they do. Sometimes, you know, your children better than they know themselves, don't you? I think play is another thing um, that he talks about. And and certainly I I used to be a, a pediatric nurse a long time ago for children and play was a hugely important thing for children I think we all know that as as home edding parents and free play and it allows again it allows them to problem solve to explore to make and role play is very important as well I think it helps them to be able to work through scenarios and situations and difficult things and and we it can be used in kind of from trauma as well and to prepare kids for other things so I think I was I was more structured with the two older ones when they were younger because it was just the two of them to begin with and and I was very enthusiastic I was a bit younger I was very enthusiastic and you know we did lots and lots of stuff together but actually you you can't if you're trying to juggle you know several children you simply can't be doing stuff with all of them and actually I think that's where where kind of John Holt's what I learned from reading his books really helped me not feel guilty plus what I what I'd previously learned about the importance of play really helped me with the younger ones that actually I could be focusing with the education (laughs) my my education (laughs) with the older ones and the younger ones can just play and that is really not a waste of time it's not Mm -hmm. I can say just play but they will play and that's not waste of time that's actually really important so um so I think for me it's a and to encourage other parents you know other mums if you're feeling a bit overwhelmed some days and think oh gosh you know, I'm just I'm just not not ticking the boxes. I'm just not doing all these things that I've set out that we should do. Actually, really, really, I think you really can relax because your kids just will learn by themselves. So long, I think, you know, so like you say, as so long as we 
put some boundaries in place and, you know, don't allow screens all the time and, and, you know, put things in place that they can learn. They just will learn by themselves, I think, when they're young anyway, and probably when they're older. But it'll be interesting to hear from those, anyone who's taken it a bit further with unschooling, which I haven't. Yes. Well, it's interesting because he, one of the, his, one of John Holt's other interests was how we do continue learning through our lives. And he, I think later on, he, he learned music. He learned to play the guitar was it I think and then wrote a book about his experiences and that was to encourage parents to keep to keep learning themselves as well to show children that learning is a great thing and it's a natural thing and can continue on and you know then children can see your struggles can't they while you're trying to learn as well and how you overcome them Um, as well as being you know your learning is not stuck to between the ages of four and 18 and then you're off in the big world and that's that which I think is another really, really key point, isn't it? And it's quite encouraging to us as home educators. We don't have to cram it all in and tick off everything, Mm. even if you wanted to, could you? (laughs) So much out there. But Mm. to introduce your children to love learning, which Mm. said stands them in good stead for their entire life, doesn't it? I think that's really true. Yeah, another, this isn't isn't a, from John Holt, but it kind of links in, I think, a uh, lady called Diana Waring, who I do use her curriculum, so we're going off a little bit. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I think it, 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 from what you're saying, and I think also from John Holt as well, that we want to produce lifelong learners. And I just mm-hmm. love that phrase, lifelong learners. We're never, so which is why we want to keep the enthusiasm. We don't want to dampen their enthusiasm for learning. And like you say, that watching us learn. And certainly when we were talking about, you had a, a visit to... Um, old Sarum and Stonehenge and places we were just telling you about and we went there it was our last our last family trip almost before Covid struck really and I was you know our, our oldest one must have been 18 I think and I was really struck by the way that as we went around you know I was reading the things to the girls and I was reading little plaques and we were looking and we were trying to work out you know what buildings were where because they're, they're so ancient just ruins and whereas the the boys were just going off by themselves and they were just reading and they were just working it out and they were obviously you know they were doing it all themselves just by because they were interested they were curious um and I just thought that definitely brought joy to my heart (laughs) yes (laughs) you know (laughs) they still want to learn (laughs) so I think that's a quick introduction to John Holt I don't think there's anything else we need to say about him Yes. Or oh, another thing just actually made me think I was reading something about um, him the other something about the other day, actually. And again, just for reassuring anyone that I often feel quite overwhelmed. Like I just can't teach the things I'm not very good at doing or just simply I, I would quite like to do. But I just don't have the time to, you know, to teach them these things. So we're particularly thinking about sewing, actually. And I used to sew quite a bit. So I probably could. I'm not brilliant, but I probably could teach the girls to sew. Um, but I just don't really have have the time. There's so many other things to do. So, you know, I buy the material and they have the sewing machine and, and they kind of just get on with it. And um, and, you know, one day if it's something they really show an interest in, I'm sure I could find a kind friend who would give them some lessons who's better at sewing than me. But, you know, they both have learned to sew with very minimal input from me. And he was um, he was talking about this and saying he when he was playing um, uh, baseball, practicing something or other with with a with a young a t- youngster. And he the, the child just said, oh, will you just come and throw ball at me? I don't know what the terminology is in America, throw the ball and so so and the child was batting and he said for however long it was he made a point of 
just not saying anything, not coaching. He could see the child wasn't holding the bat in the right way, but the child had asked for the ball to be thrown. He hadn't asked for any coaching. So he kept his mouth shut and he just kept. And the child worked out that they, he wasn't holding the bat in the right way or do whatever it was and corrected himself in time. I think that's a quite a reassuring, encouraging thing for us that, you know, we're never going to be able to teach our kids, even if we wanted to and we could. We just don't have the time, the most of us. But actually, they will learn themselves. And that's that's reassuring, I think. Definitely. Well, I hope that's been interesting to you. We'd love to hear from you if you've got any comments or insights. And uh, we'll speak to you again soon.